Weeks ago, Karen and I were talking, and somehow the topic of the Halloween snowstorm came up. And in my head, that seems like it was only 15, 20 years ago, and I was invited to recheck my math. And it's dawned on me that was 32 years ago already. So those that remember it, do you feel old yet? Uh, but it uh, got me thinking about some other, other things, and uh, uh, some, a few weeks before that happened, uh, a priest friend of mine uh, whose ordination, diaconate ordination I was able to attend uh, was in another, uh, actually another country, we'll leave it at that. Uh, he, do you remember where you were 20 years ago today? Remind me, apparently, he had a better, better memory, and it was at his ordination. And he said he was ordained uh, deacon by a high-ranking church official, we'll just leave it at that, that later came out that had done some things that were not appropriate. And if you remember back to 2003, those of us that were in the church, uh, church uh, uh, circles know that that was a hard year for us. That was a year where the scandals broke open again, the sexual misconduct scandals of priests. And of course, the focus was only on priests at that point. And yes, uh, it, it's a horrible thing. One priest abusing one child is too much. It should not have happened. But uh, how we see the aftermath these last 20 years of a systematic failure where, where bishops and other high-ranking officials not only condoned or at least allowed that abuse to occur, but perpetuated that abuse themselves, some. And I found myself just, just feeling that pain again. Uh, I remember with profound sadness, uh, shortly after this all broke open, uh, some parents who put a coat over their four-year-old son, lest I look at that son and cause abuse. And that, that broke my heart because we as priests have violated your trust and, and the trust of so many by allowing anyone in our midst to do such horrible, despic despicable acts. And let's be clear, though, too, the sexual misconduct of minors and, and uh, even vulnerable adults and, and the uh, exploitation of others is a sin and a great sin. But there are other sins as well that uh, so often we might, as priests, fall into, or those other high-ranking church officials. We need constant vigilance. And at the same time, as I say that, I'm reminded of uh, St. Peter Damien. He wrote, I had, last night I misquoted uh, the, the title of the book, that was something else, uh, around the same time. It was the title, actually, of St. Anthony of Padua, but uh, St. Peter Damien was born in 107 and uh, lived about 50-some years, and he wrote a book called The Book of Gomorrah. If you remember Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was harsh. He laid everything on the table. Every sin that the church and clergy had, had uh, done and put it all there saying, what a terrible thing this is, and it is horrible. And, of course, the church listened a little bit at the time, the church hierarchy a little bit at the time, but then forgot. So we need this constant renewal, this constant reformation, this constant being called to, to repentance, this constant 
understanding that we are sinners and prone to sin. And as we just heard in the, in the psalm response, humility, humility, humility is the key to so much of healing. Uh, last night, and, and I, I continue to be thankful for good bishops like Bishop Lavore, who, being a very humble man, was able to sit down with, with each and every one of the victims of sexual mis- abuse, everyone that was willing anyway, prayed with them, listened to them, and apologized on behalf of the church. That's profound humility, and it takes a humble man humble person to do this. But that's what the church needs. Why do I talk about it? Because today in this gospel passage, we have Jesus uh, calling to task the scribes and the Pharisees. And notice, there seems to be some respect here. He's not saying disregard everything they say and do because they're, they're, they're awful. Some would have at that time, would have, the Essenes being one of them. If you know anything about the Dead Sea Scrolls and the, the Qumran, the community, they left. They, they completed, completely departed and went in their own way, lived in the Dead Sea Valley and established a city And because they felt everything was wrong. There was nothing good whatsoever about the Jewish leadership. Jesus doesn't instruct us to do this. In fact, he tells the opposite. Observe whatsoever they tell you. But it takes, of course, discernment. Is what they are telling us true? Is it in line with the Old Testament for the, for the Jewish people? Is it in line with the, uh, the, uh, the Torah, the, the first five books of the Bible? Is it, is it true? And certainly if it's not uh, in line with that, we need to really check again. But certainly, Jesus tells us, do not do what they practice. Do not, do not follow their example. And he uses these images, the phylacteries and the tassels. They're hard to, hard to describe. You almost have to see them in order to understand what he's talking about. But the phylacteries would be leather bands that would bind uh, a box to their, their foreheads as they would pray and they, they would wrap it down their arms, their left arms, and it would spell out, uh, I, I think it was spelled out peace, because peace through the law. They would widen them and so everyone could see from a distance. Ooh. They would lengthen their tassels, which were the corners of their prayer cloak, so everyone could see them. If you want a modern equivalent, they made their beads of the rosaries bigger, and they wore a wall crucifix around their neck. That's the image Jesus wants us to have. They, they, they carry these big things, they make these big signs, and they do everything, but they're not real. They're, they're phony, they're inauthentic. Jesus tells us to listen to the law, to listen to the truth of what they tell us, but to not follow their example. Because when we do follow that example, we're led into sin. And if you remember elsewhere, Jesus telling us it would be better for one who leads a little one into sin to be, have a, uh, a millstone tied around their neck and cast into the sea. That's harsh words. It's actually not as harsh as what St. Peter Damien instructs for those that would violate, I think, Maybe St. Peter Damien is on to, on to something. In fact, he tells, uh, St. Peter Damien tells those that would abuse, 
should be never given the choice and the chance to be alone ever again. That they would be constantly accompanied by two holy monks. I gotta feel sorry for those monks. But, uh, and they would be switched out, I think, according to his, his thing. But can you imagine to never be alone again, but always under constant supervision until they come to a point where there is repentance? Not only 20 years ago, 1,000 years ago, and maybe all along in the church, there have been bad actors, people who have violated, people who have said the right thing, but done the completely wrong thing. Those that put on this performance, that, again, I'm using facetious, you know, uh, uh, using bigger beads or wearing a bigger cross or whatever, but uh, those that put on this show and interiorly, there's nothing. The antidote, we already heard it, is humility. The antidote is prayer. The antidote is living a life of repentance, not only to say that I'm a sinner and need, to, need grace, but I could sin, and I need to constantly reflect is what I am doing, the image uh, of, that I'm projecting, authentic? Is it real? Part of the reason this is up in my mind today, too, and I forgot to mention the last night why it sat on me, is I, I look at that, uh, the poster of our seminarians. We only have four this year. We've struggled as a diocese, and, and I, I know how hard it is, how hard our vocation directors work. I know it interiorly, too, having been director for 12 years. I think part of the issue we have is we've had the bad example. And even I have given bad example at times. Being, I'm going to use a four-letter word, I'm sorry, but being too busy to uh, be caring sometimes. We have given bad example. How can we expect young men to consider a vocation if we don't give them a proper example of joy, a proper example of humility, a proper example of loving service, a proper example? And, and so I stand convicted this day too. But I also know God has not abandoned us. That even in the midst of struggle, God has raised up great saints, St. Peter Damien, St. Dominic, St. Francis, St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. Charles Bermeo, whose feast we celebrated yesterday. So many saints that in times of crisis have been raised up to be good example, not only by what they say, but by what they do. I know that the church has been blessed these last years. We have blessed Carlos we have St. John Paul II, St. Mother Teresa. The church has recognized recent saints and will continue, but there are saints among us, saints who are called by God. Be the example and pray that I and other priests of our diocese, other priests in our church, can be good examples, not only speaking the truth, especially when it's hard, but doing what is right and standing against corruption in all its forms, a corruption that would violate such innocence, a corruption that would fleece the flock 
as St. Augustine would warn us against. Feed themselves and ignore the needs of the flock. Take the wool and run. Perhaps today in our second reading, there is a connection, even though the church doesn't necessarily intend that connection, but we look at somebody like St. Paul, who comes in service and love. That's what we need. We need vocations in the church. We need good example. Why am I telling you this? You who are married, by your very living out your marriage, living out your marriage vocation, raise your children in such a way that help them to consider a vocation. You, by your good example, lead the church in good and holy ways. For those that are married, thank you. Thank you for living that out. You and so many of you inspire me by, and of course I don't know all the ins and outs, and I'm sure there's spats and and arguments and all those things, but by your willingness to work through them, become a profound example. See, while the church needs priests, certainly, the church needs lay people, too. If we didn't have any laity, I could stay in bed this morning. If we didn't have any laity, it wouldn't matter. We need each other. Let us pray for each other's holiness, and let, let us mutually discern the truth and mutually help others to discern their own vocations.